a Pulp MX Network production. Welcome to the Fly Racing Steve Mathis Show presented by Maxis Tires and Alpine Stars Protects on RacerXOnline.com. your continued support of our sponsors we have surpassed 1,000 podcasts delivered with over 7 million downloads click that amazon banner on pole mx to help us out and donate via patreon if it suits you and as always enrich your moto lifestyle by working with the sponsors who support us original moto podcast featuring legends of the past stars of today season previews and race reviews introspection opinion facts and laughs here's your host steve mathis very happy to do this fly racing racer x podcast with ron lachine ama hall of famer ron lachine thank you uh Everybody for listening, thank you Fly Racing for uh, coming on board this podcast. They've done a lot for us over the years, and you know their name, you know the brand, and you know the gear they have, and, and all of that. So, um, yeah, absolutely looking forward to uh, to this podcast. Thanks to Fly Racing. From the FR5 boot to the Evo pant to the Formula helmet, Fly Racing has you covered head to toe. Of course, they're, uh, they're always trying to get you covered, whether it's mountain bike stuff, watercraft stuff, snowmobile stuff, or the moto stuff. FlyRacing.com has got you covered. Check out the website. They've got all you need. Over there at flyracing.com and tell your local dealer to stock it, will you? Please do it. Do it now. Uh, thanks to Alpine Stars. The Tech 7 is the boot of choice for myself. I absolutely love them. If you want the booty and you want the ultimate in protection, the Tech 10, the most advanced boot in motocross today. Uh, Jason Anderson, Justin Barsha, Eli Tomac, just a few guys wearing A Stars. Of course, uh, you know the name and you know the quality over the years, right? That A Stars has had. Maxis tires from light truck to SUVs. Two trailers, two mountain bikes, two dirt bikes. Maxis.com has got you covered. AJ Catanzaro ran the MXSTs out there in Supercross, so you know that they're good. They're developed by Jeremy McGrath, so you double know that they're good. IT line is available real soon from the folks at Maxis, of course, coming out soon. Thanks to those companies for coming on board. And also, too, the first 200 people to either renew or start a new sub, RacerX Magazine will receive a, receive a pack of all 12 2019 Lucas Oil Pro Motocross event stickers. They're the stickers that look like the retro high flyers cards. Remember those things? They feature Stu, Carmichael, Reed, McGrath, and more, many more legends in the sport. So 200 people to renew or start a new sub at racerxonline.com. Gets those. All right. Let's get talking to Ron Lachine. Podcast I've been waiting to do for a long, long time. We did it. You did it. I did it. We all did it. Here's Dogger. And now, as promised, a podcast I'm very, very happy to do, and uh, I'm glad we get to do it. It's better late than never on the Fly Racing Racer X podcast presented by Maxis and Alpine Stars. It's the AMA Hall of Famer, Ron Lachine. What's up, Dogger? How are you? What's happening, Steve, man? This is, uh, yeah, I'm doing good, man. Feeling good. Uh, super stoked. Um, yeah, just been a great outpouring of, you know, all my friends and industry people and just getting congratulations from just to everybody it's been really awesome yeah it's it's uh it's good to see it finally happen i i was i was so pissed last year when i saw some of the guys that got in no slam to them but i was just like what is going on at the ama hall of fame you know that we can't get someone like yourself in there uh but hey i guess better late than never right yeah i mean i'm good like i said i i think i told you in the beginning i really you know i wasn't losing sleep over it. i never even really thought about it until you kind of brought it up and then i kind of went in there and kind of looked at 
some of the guys that were in there. I thought, well, God, man, I've, you know, I've got better or, or more accolades and more race wins and championships and stuff, but maybe my other part of my life um, yep. didn't, didn't deserve me to get into the Hall of Fame, but um, I guess it did, and uh, yeah. you know, so we're in, and I, I appreciate it. Yeah, so you got to, uh, you got to go to Columbus uh, in December, first week in December, I believe. Um, yep. You got your speech already working on? You working on your speech? <laughs> yeah, I've been working on that for like three years. You know, that's <laughs> definitely going to be <laughs> every year that I've been on the ballot. I've been like, oh man, the speech, and you know, I guess I'll be. I'll be. Uh, it'll be bittersweet to do it, and it'll be good to get it over with. Believe me, I'm. Yeah. You know, it's gonna be. Uh, you know, it'll be tough. You know, like I said, there's just been a lot of ups and downs in my career, and right. you know, um, maybe haven't lived up to the hype of what people around me and and knew what I could have done, but I did it my way, and and look where it got me, and that's all that can be said. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Right. I mean, you look. Hey, uh, I think you're right for your speed. And for the thing, the people that raced you against uh, against you back in the day, and and for the days that when you were on, maybe you should have more wins. But I, I mean, you have one national championship, two motocross nations. You were on, a, you were a winning overall rider the Des, Des Nations. Uh, you made the podium almost fifty percent of the time, and you won on every bike. That's a damn good career. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like uh, many, many, many motorcycle racers would love that. Yeah, no, I, I believe me, I, I appreciate all the ones, the wins and stuff that I have. And, you know, looking back on it, like I said, it's, uh, you know, I, I know in my heart that, that there could have been more, obviously, if, if my uh, focus would have been a little more on, on the racing and not, you know, maybe chasing the girls or the partying and all that stuff. But like I said, um, you know, I made it, I won some races and it just, there was so much stress and so much to it. And, um, right. you know, I've told people before that it was just, it was kind of like my mechanism to, uh, just treat it like it really wasn't that big a deal. And that was just how I dealt with it. Yeah. And, and, um, you know, that's just, I, it is what it is. I can't change it now, but, um, yeah, I'm, I'm like I said, I'm super stoked yeah. and, um, looking but, forward to, you know, I got rid of the wedding ring. Now I can get a, a hall of fame ring. So <laughs> nice. I, I, yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, it, yeah, it, it's, it's, you know, I wasn't exactly up on the hall of fame and the AMA hall of fame and all that either, uh, until a few years ago, like when I, when, you know, when I first kind of started talking about it, but you know, I, Hey, look, it, it's, it's, uh, it's still quite an accomplishment when you look at all the racers that, that are in it. And it's still something pretty, pretty special uh, to be in any kind of hall of fame. You know what I mean? So like, yeah, is it going to change your life? No, but it's pretty damn cool. <laughs> so it is very cool. And then, like I said, just to be part of, um, you know, that elite group of people. And, you know, yeah. like, like I said, John from W would call me yesterday and, you know, and talking about Tom White and, you know, how proud he'd be. And just, I mean, just the whole industry, all the people that are reaching out and, yeah. you know, being here in Maxwell and still being able to work in the industry that I love and, and getting this, uh, this nod and stuff it's just yeah. I, you know it's, it's a dream come true i mean i never i never would have thought when i was a kid racing and, I, and like i said i've been getting hit up by a lot of my old racing yeah. buddies and they you know part of it goes to them too for putting up a hell of a fight and teaching me how to you know be fat i was just thinking about it in my head a minute ago i, I probably owe something to sam store or some of those guys you know when i was racing 80s that were cutting me off that made me the racer i was and yeah. maybe they're you know entitled to a little bit of fame too <laughs> now yeah exactly now now as you mentioned you know off the track stuff chasing girls and partying a little bit and all that but you know you and i've talked a few times there were times where you buckled down where you're like hey i i, I gotta really focus and you didn't do that well or as well you didn't do as well when you you know would go on a 
month or two binge of like really trying to do what Brock does or trying to do what you know that some of those guys do, it didn't work for you necessarily. Yeah, I don't know if I went on a month. Okay. Well, maybe there was a couple times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it just seemed to work. It just didn't seem, you know, I, I don't know. Like I said, I think I just know that the program was so um, all over the map and not consistent. And I just think, and it was probably hard for me at that time. I was thinking, oh, wow, what did I do this week? And I won. And, you know, and then, you know, just like I said, if, yeah. if I'd have had some kind of, you know, um, regime and just had a regular routine like I do now, it would yeah. be a, it'd be a whole different deal. But, but yeah, I'm proud of the wins. I mean, the things yeah. that I won are races. I mean, it was kind of like the hit list. You know, I wanted to win San Diego Supercross. I wanted to win, you know, the USGP, even though they moved it to, you know, uh, Hollister, you know, right. that still was a win that I got. Um, you know, I wanted to win the national championship. I wanted to go to donations, um, you know, right, unit right. deal at 250. I mean, some of the big races that I won were all definitely on my bucket list and, you know, and almost got the Supercross title a couple times, but I just, you know, never could keep myself off the ground, you know? Yeah. And you, uh, as I said, you won on everything, but you really liked 500s, didn't you? I did. I, you know, and I still do. I mean, it's like the, you know, the 450s, they, they seem to be getting smaller and thinner and lighter as every year, but, uh-huh. you know, that's a bigger bike. And yeah, I like the 500. I had a lot of fun with it. I like the power and, um, yeah, they were, they were cool to race. Um, yeah, it, when people talk to you, I mean, you you know, you're working for Maxima now. You're going to these trade shows. You're going to different you know distributor shows and and all of that. You, you know, you're one of the faces of Maxima, a super successful company that your dad, of course, started all those years ago. What do people want to talk to you about? Like, you, you know, all the it's the same story. It's the same. Sh- you and I have had you know hours long conversations, but what do fans or just industry people? What do they want to talk to you about? What gets brought up the most? Mostly just races. You know what what my you know what my best race was or my favorite track or you know and then and then some of the other stories too i mean everybody likes to hear the the dirt stuff you know so yeah, yeah yeah it's a little bit of everything you know it's um it just depends on where we are and who we're talking to and how many drinks we've had you know <laughs> <laughs> do you ever hear stuff that wasn't true you just roll with it though because it does seem like there's a million ronnie lachine stories Oh, for sure. No doubt about it. I always hear something. And yeah, I used to try to keep every, you know, fix everything. And, and now I just kind of let, yeah, let, let the deal roll. Yeah. Let the, the legend roll and let it yeah. go. And, oh yeah. That's, that's how it happened. Although the missing practice in Geneva and then winning one night with a stock bike, I think that it, that one really did happen. That one really did happen from pe- multiple people I've heard it from. So yeah, well, the one in Geneva for sure. I, I won't forget that one. I was, you know, I was up at the house and I was partying, and I thought, man, I don't want to get on a flight. I don't want to go to Geneva, and I missed my flight. And then I think Eric Pernod called me, and and uh, he said, "What are you doing?" I said, ah, "I don't think I'm going to make it." And he said, "If you don't get over here and ride this, you'll never race in Europe again." And I was like, "Holy shit!" I guess I better get my ass together. So I got my shit together. I got on a plane. I flew to Atlanta. And, you know, obviously I'd missed my flight by probably a half a day. And and I sat in Atlanta for like 12 hours or something waiting for the next flight. And then got on that. And then I think they lost my, I didn't have my gear bag or something when I landed. I remember I was in Atlanta for so long and went shopping and I bought a, back in the day they had those happy face sign sweatshirt and it said, be, uh, don't don't worry, worry, be happy. And I bought that sweatshirt, and when I walked into the pits, I had that thing on, and everybody was just like, oh, man. Yeah, I think I got – I think Chicken might have won that night. I got, like, maybe 
seventh or something, or I don't remember, maybe top five, and then and then I won the next night. It was uh, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of stories from that race. There was a couple other times the the year before I went there or something. I met this guy, and we we he ended up running over some dude in the on the expressway. We were going to some black. Uh, red light district thing and he ran over this freaking taxi driver guy and just always seemed to be crazy stuff going on in geneva <laughs> yeah because i mean obviously you know you and i have a lot of the same friends and there's so many dogger stories out there and and i just go like wow like w- what's true what's not over the years um what's what what is true though is when you were on man rj wardy those kind of guys were just like yeah that's it man it's Ronnie's weekend. You swept Seattle one time. Just see you later. Both both nights, right? Like, just when when those days were together, it, it you were unbelievable. Yeah, no, it uh, for sure. That race in Seattle was definitely one of my best weekends in Supercross for sure. And uh, you know that bike that year in '85 was just so bitching, and uh, you know it just seemed like that was kind of like the prime of my career right then. You know, I I had that killer bike. I had. You know, I was just feeling invincible, you know, and uh, like I said, a couple times, I mean, to even come down to the last race and still be in the championship yeah. hunt with as many times as I crashed and threw it threw it on the yeah. ground that year, you know, I, it should have been mine, but yeah. it is what it is. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I wonder, I mean, I think some of the voting, some of the, the votes and things like that over, the, you know, we don't have a lot of motorcycle people, motocross people that have lifetime memberships and maybe not as active of participants as some of the other disciplines like flat track and road racing because those guys seem to uh, seem to get seem to get in a lot easier. But I do wonder, Ronnie, and you mentioned some of the off-track stuff. After you broke your leg in 89, Steel City, uh, you never got a factory ride again. You came back and rode 500 Nationals one year. But I wonder if some of that off-track stuff cost you. I don't think it should. I just, especially not now, you know, you're, you, you've been, you've been uh, clean and sober for a long time now. Uh, you still like to have a good few beers here or there or whatever, but so I don't know if that's the definition of like sober or not. I don't know exactly how that no. works, but but I'm but clean. You, I'm clean, clean. And not sober. Right? Okay. So, <laughs> but I wonder, like, I wonder if that stuff costs you. It really shouldn't have, but but I wonder if it did. You know, that's like what I said in the beginning. I, I don't know if that did. I mean, there's definitely been a long. You know, it's been what 35 years or something since my last. You know full season and for it to be this long and I mean like I said with the help of yourself and Brock and Davey and you know Rob and all the guys getting together and putting on this big push and uh you know it just I I'm you know I'm I'm in doubt I'm I'm appreciative to those guys for all the help they did you as well and and I just don't think it would have happened if if it wouldn't have been brought to the light you know yeah yeah I just I don't think people should penalize you for kind of stuff that you know that you've cleaned up and, and and all of that i mean it got bad at some points right but i mean gee whiz like we're talking about you're on the track racing and it wasn't like like with j-law like j-law had issues but he was kind of a dick like i mean not, not yeah. to everybody but to a lot of people you go yeah. around to the pits talk to peyton talk to glover talk to rj well you and rj weren't always buddies but it's fine uh, no everybody liked you you were friends with everybody you know what i mean you didn't ride dirty you weren't this guy yeah. that people didn't like so yeah yeah no i um yeah, I, I don't like said. I'm not sure if it. Right. I just feel like that you guys brought it to light and and made such a push that I think they noticed and and you know and I don't know whether it was you know the voting you know because Brock did say he went in and and checked with a lot of the you know the addresses and phone numbers and emails of, of people that were in the you know lifetime members and you know some of the guys weren't you know all the motocross guys weren't getting their ballots or something was up with that so I don't know if that had you know they told me last year that I got the votes. But 
that they wanted to get Nikki in, uh, Nikki Hayden and stuff, and that they kind of said at that time that this year would be my year. So, yeah. and, I, and yeah. I was fine with that. And, um, you know, so I kind of thought, you know, it would be this year, but I wasn't sure. And, right. and uh, actually one of my buddies from Oklahoma called me about, I don't know, two weeks ago, and he was just kind of, you know, he was being kind he's like, I kind of know, but I can't tell you, but, you know, <laughs> things are looking good. And um, oh, yeah. So, uh, oh, yeah. so, yeah, I was I kind of knew, and then uh, then when they called me, it was it was kind of ironic. I was it was a Sunday morning, September first. I was on my way to the grocery store, and I'm pulling into the grocery store. And uh-huh. I see this number on my phone, and I'm like, "Who is that?" I'm thinking it's a robocall or some some eight three one or some weird area code. And uh, yeah, it was that Jeff Massey, and he you know he said, "Hey, you're you've been inducted to Hall of Fame," and it was just like, "Wow," you know, it just kind of sat there for a while for it to sink in, and then it was pretty cool. Uh, yeah, exactly right. I mean, hey, what, what, as long as you got in eventually when you're still alive, I'm good with that. <laughs> yeah, so. well, that and, you know, like I said, I'll, I'll be really happy to if my my dad and my mom can be there. And, yep. you know, they're both having their issues right now. And um, just to be able to get in when they're still around and, and acknowledge what they've done and the sacrifices that they and everybody else made to be able to yep. you know, let me showcase my talent and do what I did, you know. Listen, you left. Definitely, you, oh, definitely not all about me. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah, really. Right, all the times that your dad took you riding and, and, and yelled at you and everybody else, right? Um, <laughs> Wardy, Wardy, babysitting you. Um, oh yeah. Uh, you left Yamaha after '83. You left Honda after '85. Um, yep. Any of those would you do over? Would you stay at any one of those places? You know, I mean, it's it's tough to look back and see. You know, I mean, I I was feeling really good at Yamaha when we were at Yamaha. I mean, if I could win on a stock bike in San Diego, I mean, those bikes were good, and and it was more of a family atmosphere at Yamaha, so I felt, and you know, that's where my first, you know, pro career started, Mm -hmm. and with Keith there, and you know, when my my parents kind of passed me off to to Yamaha, and factory Yamaha, and and Keith was my mechanic, it was kind of like he was kind of stepping in as my mechanic and also my father figure kind of deal. Sure, yeah. so when we left there, I mean, obviously to go to the Honda and get get on the works bikes and stuff like that was a big deal. But uh, you know, when I when I left Yamaha, I, I kind of and I kind of moved out of the house at the same time. And okay, then, yeah. You know, and Honda was more of a kind of everybody was on their own little deal. And and um, you know, and Chris was a great mechanic, Chris Haynes. He's also a Hall of Famer, but um, you know, he was pretty wild. And and it just that kind of you know, I got that little bit sure. of freedom, and I got and and it kind of was like. Wow, he's cool. He's doing what he's doing. And <laughs> I want to do that too, and yeah, that's my yeah. deal. And so we kind of just, you know. So I, lo- I think I lost a little bit of the, the focus, you know, right. of, you know, and and growing just the whole growing up thing and the chasing the girls and all that really started when I went to Honda because I got out of the house. I had yeah, freedom. Yeah, yeah. You know, I yeah. had my own room every weekend. You know, Yamaha. When I was with Yamaha, I was with Brock, and we'd ride to the track together and we you know do all this stuff together and eat but when i went to honda i kind of all of a sudden was on my own because johnny and david were like kind of buddies and then hannah was his own deal and then i was kind of my own deal so you know um it's hard to look back and say with you know like i said it was bittersweet to leave yamaha to go to honda but i got my championship there and then you know and then moving to kawasaki i don't you know it was good money but you know the bikes. I don't think we're up to par with what the Hondas were in '86, and you know, and by that time, you know, I was it was starting to get a little more 
Side, off track side, crazy. Sideways, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and everything kind of spiraled out a little bit there in like the end of 86. And I think I went to rehab in, in the end of 86, and then 87 kind of, you know, started off a little better, and the bikes were getting better. Yeah. You know, by the time like 89 came around, I was I was liking the Cowies, and I was – I was feeling pretty good on them, and um, and you know I kind of missed that new ninety bike. I, I would have liked to have been able yeah. to race that a ninety bike with that new bike, but um, yeah, yeah, they, they uh, yeah. Turner Roy Turner had just correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't Turner say, "Hey, you're coming back in ninety? At the end of eighty nine, you'd already said like you, you got a ride type deal. Yeah, um, so I'm thinking. Well, I didn't ride at all in ninety. No, but um, no, but I mean by the end of eighty nine. Like, were they, you already supposed to come back to the team, or was that all just magazine bullshit that said you were on the cutting block at the end of 89? You know what? I'm not positive, to be honest with yeah, you. Yeah. I mean, I think I was. I think I until I broke my femur, right. and they still gave me a shot. They gave me a shot at the 90, the 91 500 Nationals or the 90, maybe 90. I think 90. Yeah. Um, yeah, it must have been in 1990 because Omero was there and they gave me a shot to come out and test and see how I was doing. And, you know, I'd been partying. I hadn't been doing any rehab. My leg wasn't that strong. It probably should have been, but I just, I hadn't been doing shit. And, um, you know, I'll, that was kind of the night that the, or the day that the career ended with that because, yeah. like I said, he called me, you know, I don't remember what day it was, but I was all excited to, you know, and I packed my gear bag and I was like, cool, man. I'm, you know, and yep. I'm still gonna be a factory guy but i was already partying when they called and then i partied all night long and then here i am sitting there at five in the morning and going fuck man you haven't slept all night and you're yeah you know you gotta go test and i'm you know at that point i was a little bit i was afraid to get hurt myself really bad i knew that you know after breaking my femur and what i was doing the night before that and i just knew the two yeah two weren't gonna mix and all it was gonna happen was be something really bad come out of it if I wasn't applying myself and and being in that kind of mindset so um you know I felt bad about that that I did that but I mean I had to look it in the face that day and go hey you're either racing or you're partying and I couldn't fucking quit partying yeah so I drove out there and I told Turner I said hey man I'm done you know I appreciate the offer but yeah you know I'm not in any kind of shape to ride or race and so that that kind of was the end of it right then Thanks to Ronnie for doing the uh, Fly Racing Racer X podcast presented by Maxis and Alpine Stars. Good stuff for sure. Uh, hey, check out Racetech, Racetech.com. Use the code PULP19 to save on motor work, on suspension work, or whatever you need from the folks at Racetech. Uh, ben LeMay, Micah Lessie, uh, Jerry Robin, all running Racetech suspension. And right now there are suspension seminars October 12th to 18th. Check out Racetech's Technical Edge Suspension Seminars. Get your start the same way most of the industry's leading factory tuners and companies started with the folks at uh, Race Tech. Uh, all right. And also, too, Fly Racing, of course, uh, flyracing.com. Zach Osborne repping America with Fly Racing right now with Team Fried in Holland. And he's wearing fly, head to toe. Well, not head, not not toe, just about. Thanks to Fly Racing. Thank you, Maxis. Thank you, Alpine Stars. All right, back to the Fly Racing Racer X podcast with Ron Lachine. It's crazy. Uh, well, it's the end of, the, of a U.S. factory ride. But, man, I saw a photo the other day, Dogger, of you – Number 180, I think you were in Europe. You had Axo Boots with JT Gear. You kept racing for a while and making pretty good money. It was, it was a crazy crazy little quiet that, second career. That might have been in, like, um, Anaheim or some, but I rode. I raced, I raced a few Supercrosses. God, where was I number 180? I want to say the 180 was in, like, Anaheim or yeah. something, maybe, like, 93 or 94. But, yeah, I, I mean, by 90. 
93-94 I started racing a lot in Europe and I was yeah. having a lot of fun and I was traveling all over the world Spain Japan I mean if you go on YouTube like one of the coolest races is uh, the 91 Osaka Supercross that's yeah. on YouTube uh, it was the Yamaha Suzuki factory riders were there like Swink and Lampson and Bradshaw was the big guy and um, yep. Emig and all those guys and I showed up as a privateer on a Kawasaki riding for some team you know one of the shops there and yeah, I ended yeah. up winning that race and um, yeah. it was pretty cool man I mean it was a good battle with me and Swinkster and um, it's just a bitch in YouTube watching uh, yeah I've seen yeah, it. I made a lot of money and then I met some girl in Cologne Germany in like 94 and we dated for like two years and I was going back and forth yeah. to Germany and racing all over in Belgium and you know yeah there's a there's a video of you I think at a hard cross there's a YouTube video where you're at a hard cross they don't show you much but you're there um, yep, yeah, that was Vienna, Austria, I think, in like '94. Yeah. There's this whole second career you had that's so under the radar because we, you know, there was no internet back then or anything. None of none of it was going on. But if I was in the moto media, I would have been all over. I'd be like, "Where's Ronnie this week?" Like, just make. Yeah, it, I mean, there yeah. was what the the Stuttgart Supercross, and they still do it. I see a little bit of footage of. Um, God, what's the other one there in Germany? Dortmund. It's like the main Dortmund. one. Dortmund. Dortmund. Yeah, Dortmund. Yeah. yeah. Dortmund. Yeah, I used to do all those ones. I man. know. Were... Like, and like as a kid, I would just be reading MXA, and you know, you'd never read about Ron Lachine anymore, right? But there you are, racing still, still making some money. And, and, yep. and you know, you were such a big name that the promoters and fans knew who you were. It's really like yep. an underrated part of your, part of your deal. <laughs> so. I was having a lot of fun, to be honest with you. Like right. I said, I was going over there and I was making pretty, you know, sometimes I'd get, you know, three or 5,000 just to show up. Like you said, I had yep. a pretty big name with my donation wins and people knew who I was. And, and then if I could win the race and make another three or 4,000, I could, and I just, it was all cash and I'd pop, put it in my pocket and yeah. come back home. And yeah, I was good to go. It was a lot of fun. And I had some good wins over there. I definitely had some good wins. And, and, and there was probably wasn't a ton of practicing. You didn't need to practice a whole bunch, right? Like it wasn't like this this whole this whole regiment of practicing a lot to do all that so no, yeah it was no i would just man, i had to keep myself like fresh so i couldn't ride very much so I, had to, <laughs> you know, I had to save myself for right. the, the two nights of racing that i had to do right. and then I had to rest for like three weeks <laughs> <laughs> hey looking back at the at their national title in 85 uh look the bike was great bike the bike was an advantage there's no doubt over everything else but Man, that, guy, that that year came easy to you. I think you lost, you broke you broke one moto, you got a flat one moto, uh, and then you didn't race the last round because you moved the two fifties. But dude, after that, I think after that you won every single moto. Like that must have been yeah. so cool to show up on the weekend and just be like, I got this. It was fun. I had a lot of fun, and you know, like I said, that year in '85, I mean, my confidence level was at the all-time high, and like I said, I had the best bikes, and I felt like my riding was at the best, and um, yeah, and those bike that bike was just so fun to ride. It handled so bitching, and then yeah, it had a little more power than everybody else, so it was just, you know, it was yeah, it was kind of a cakewalk deal, and and uh, yeah. it was fun. Some of the tracks were pretty cool, like Atlanta, and yeah. You know, all those tracks. It was fun. I had a good time. Binghamton and, you know. Yep. Yeah, that were, I'd have liked to. I don't think I've ever won at uh, Mount Morris, and I had that one that day, too. Yeah, and I got a, I think I got a rear flat, and yep. I still got second. <laughs> and I think Whiting or somebody caught me, like, on the last lap, and I, like, brake-checked him in this tight corner in the back, and he fell, and I still ended up keeping him at bay and yep. getting second or something. The second moto is pretty cool. Uh and then, of course, uh, 88 Destinations. Is that your greatest ride ever? 
I guess you could say it is. I mean, it's one of my biggest wins. I don't know that it's my greatest ride ever. You okay. know, I mean, um, hey, looking you know, back, main... looking, looking back on that track, it just looked like it doesn't. It looks like a. I mean, I've been there now. You know, they still hold the designations there, but yeah, hard pack, hilly, slippery. You're on a KX500. I mean, just perfect dogger conditions. Right. Yeah, I mean that's the kind of stuff that I rode and practiced on around my house. Yep. And, I mean, we didn't have, you know, all these, you know, tracks and facilities to go practice at. So we had tracks in the hills, and and that's yeah. I mean, those that's exact kind of conditions. Yep. I mean, I felt at the time that like the two biggest competitors, you know, the two other fastest guys in the world were the guys that were on my team. Yep. So I kind of felt like you know I didn't really have. Any, not that I didn't have any competition, but I knew that, you know, there was nobody else there besides Rick and Warty that were as fast as I was in the world at that time. Yep, yep. So you're just like, if I can beat Rick, and, and Warty's on 125, so I got him covered. Yeah. You know? But yeah, I, so I, th- I yeah. think, I mean, one of my best races ever was probably like 83 um, Millville when, yep. when me and Bomber went at it. Right. And, you know, and that was 45-minute motos. And, I mean, that, that race... I gave it everything I had, and, and I ended up winning and, and won both motos. And like I said, I had Barnett breathing down my neck the whole freaking race. Yeah, yeah. And it was just gnarly, and that's probably like one of the gnarliest, you know, best races I've ever had. Yeah. Uh, I, was so you know, there's a, I, I was so pissed at you when I was a kid because I liked Bomber because I rode Suzuki's, and that, yeah. cost, that cost him that Grand National Championship, you know, back yeah. then. I was so pissed at you, dogger. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why. I mean, I just was trying to get my win. You know, that yeah, really yeah. didn't weigh into weigh into anything for me. But I believe me, I could see Bailey and all the Honda guys hanging over the fence cheering <laughs> me on to beat him. You know, and, um, and I think I think I won the last two or three. So it was kind of like a yeah. uh, you know it was a tra- train wreck thing coming for him because he you know I beat him the two weeks before that too. Yeah, so yeah. it wasn't helping the weeks before that. And then it really came down to that last moto and yeah. Yeah, and I yeah. ended up beating him. Uh, yeah, that, and it was hot as humid. And and dude, when you talked to Bob, Hannah, or, or I just talked, to, I just did a podcast with Bailey and Osho. They all say Barnett was so gnarly, like the greatest oh, of all yeah. time. Talk about Barnett being so gnarly, and it was hot, and it was humid, and he was all over you, and you beat him. <laughs> yeah, well, and, and believe me, I grew up watching him and looking at him, you know, following his career in 81 and 82 yep. when I was kind of coming up. And then to, to be there on the track with him and battling with him and, you know, my first year pro, it was uh, it was pretty amazing. But, you know, you just have to look at the Everybody goes, man, how'd you do it? What'd you think? And it was like, but, you know, back then I got to race those guys in, in uh, Golden States and right. stuff like that. So it wasn't like I just you know, got thrown in with guys that I'd never raced before or anything. But still, I mean, you yeah. just got to kind of, you know, you got to be aggressive and treat every guy like they put their, you know, pants on the same way you do. And, you know, they're no big hero or whatever. That's just kind of the mindset you have to have. I mean, it was kill or be killed back in my day. Yeah, yeah, really, right? Um, you know. When you go to the races now, who do you like watching? Who do you? What do you like about going to the races now? I mean, I like watching everybody. I mean, obviously, I like the Cowie guys, Tomac, and now I'm pretty p- pumped on AC being, you know, I'm kind of bummed Stewart's out. I used to really like watching Stewart. He was just so amazing. And um, and I really like watching Webb, too. I like how aggressive Webb is. He kind of reminds me a little bit about kind of how we used to be, you know, And because um, it kind of bums me out when, you know, somebody bumps or they do a block pass or something and everybody throws a big fit and <laughs> makes a big scene about it. And it's like, yeah. you know, and, I mean, it is what it is. It's a contact sport and, you know, it's an individual sport and it is what it is. But, yeah, those are kind of the guys I like to watch. Um, I'm really interested to see how AC will do, you know, when he moves yeah. up because he's a big guy. That'll be kind of cool. And, 
Yeah, pulling for the factory Cali guys with the with the backing of Maxima. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Maxima's uh, won a god so many titles uh, with Kawasaki over the years with with Peyton as well, of course. Um, yeah. Do you think? Do you think AC? And this is stuff you care about, by the way. Should AC run number nine or number ninety two? I'd like to see him run number nine. I mean, yep. that's been kind of a Cowie number before. I want to say maybe I had it once on Cowie. I know that uh, maybe Rhino had it once. Uh, Rhino had on it. Ricky, Rick, Ricky had it. Ricky had it. I mean, it's kind of a green number, and um, I think he should go with the number nine. But, you know, I don't yeah. know. Some of these guys, you know, they've already kind of set their, their deal up with the number and the branding and all that stuff. So, yep. yeah, I mean, I get, I get why they're doing that nowadays, but, you know, right. I don't know. I, w- I would like to see him with the number nine. What about World Vets, Dogger? You coming out? Well, I need to get my butt back on the track and get into shape and, you know, do something. Like I said, we've been uh, I've been yeah. running back and forth to Havasu to, to see the parents and, and had a lot of stuff going on lately. My mom had opened heart surgery like a month ago. So, um, and it's just been hot as shit. So, you know, I, I'm not that revved up about really racing that much anymore. I had a big crash like two years ago. And and before that I was still pretty, you know, going after it, but now I'm kind of stepping back a little bit and just saying, Hey, I'll have fun and do ride days and practice days and, and not so much racing. I mean, I just don't ride enough to be, you know, to go line up against guys like Dubok and, uh, yeah, yeah. you know, Nicole yeah, and these Kurt, guys. Hey, Kurt, they Kurt's, ride, yeah, they Kurt's ride like two, serious. Three. Right. Kurt's serious. Like, he's gnarly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, he, shoot. Yeah, I saw him at Kohia not too long ago, and I was like, you know, I did five or six laps, and then, I'm, you know, I'm having a beer on the thing, and he's out there for like 30, <laughs> 40 minutes. And I'm like, holy. Yeah, he, and those guys ride all the time. Yeah. And, I mean, that's what it takes. And I don't ride Glen Helen that much because it's, you know, two yeah, and a half far. hours away. Yep. So to just go show up at Glen Helen and try to be competitive, it's, I mean, I've done it, but it's it's freaking, it's a lot of work for me. It's gnarly. You yeah. know, that place is a whole different animal. Yeah, it is. I, I don't know if I'm doing it. I'm on the fence right now. I might show up. I don't know. I got to get riding, too, but. Yeah, we'll last see. time I went, last time I went, I got fifth, and I, I hold shot of the first moto and led. I was in second for a while, but it was a mutter. And then I think I went four or five or something, and I got fifth. And, you know, I was cool with that. But then the next year after that, I didn't go, and, like, three of the four guys that beat me didn't show up either. And I was oh, shit, I should have <laughs> went, went that year. I could have got on, you know, second. Yeah. And, and then you, know, it just never, you never know who shows up. Or it seems like every time I show up, like, the one year, the last year, and it was raining and Bowen and Green we were there. Oh, geez. Two guys yeah, from yeah. Michigan. And I'm like, oh, that's great. <laughs> yeah, you're like, like, would you guys bring you bring the rain with you? Or yeah, what? you're like, I got no chance against these guys, right? Yeah. Um, no. I beat Gruy in the first moto. Something happened to him, but oh, I was yeah. like, wow, I beat Gruy and it was freaking muddy. I was stuck. Yeah, yeah, you got, yeah, exactly right. It's okay. Although you were pretty good in the mud. You had some good races in the mud here and there, for sure. Yeah, I like yeah. the mud. I actually, a bunch of my buddies were like, I'm not going to race and this and that. And I'm, I was right on the fence, man. I was standing out there watching the first, because I think we were the fifth moto. And I was watching the first two or three motos, and I'm like, I don't know, man. I go, that doesn't even look fun. And, and yeah. I had to get away from all my buddies and just kind of walk over to the corner. And I made the decision. I go, hey, I'm going to get it, see if I get a good start. And if, you know, I get out and then I'll, I'll stay out there. But if I get blasted off the line and I can't <laughs> see shit, I'm just pulling off. Yeah. Like I said, I almost whole shot at the first moto. Dubot got me like right in the second or third turn. Yep. And I stayed second. There was a crash right behind me. So it gave me a little room and I sat in second for probably, you know, yep. four or five or six laps until Nicole finally caught me. And then, then Bowen got me like with a half a lap to go or something. I was like, it's- shit. Last time I saw you ride, like, 
And Wygant brought this up. We were talking about you in the Hall of Fame, and Wygant brought up how even in the old days you rode like a modern racer. You know, you didn't ride like some of the guys that, you know, just styles change over the years, right? You always yeah. looked really good on a bike and a little bit ahead of, I think, a lot of guys. RJ looked good, too. RJ was aggressive as well. Um, but you, when, when, last time I saw you ride, dude, you look the same. I mean, obviously you're a little bigger, but like you still look like so fluid on the bike, elbows up, kind of good riding style, kind of relaxed on the bike. Like it's kind of funny how it doesn't really change much, huh? Yeah, it's just yeah. I think once you get that, you know, once yeah. you're pro at something. I mean, I play a lot of golf, and I'm like, I try to be really good at golf, and yep. and it and I think of it in that perspective, and then I think of like when I go ride against my buddies that aren't pro, and how much. I mean, it doesn't. It's just such a big gap between what my ability and what they have and then i think of the same thing with golf and yeah, it's just, yeah. you know once yep. you're pro you're freaking pro and yep. you know if you if you're that good and you can go professional and win races and be at that level then it, it doesn't go away how much of your old memorabilia stuff do you still have quite a bit yeah yeah you got quite a, quite bit. a bit yeah that's awesome yeah, my mom saved a lot of my stuff and um um, she's probably got, she gave me probably 10 or 12, um, plastic tubs full of stuff. Um, just, you know, a couple of years ago when oh, they were moving awesome. out of Kingman yeah. and, um, yeah. I, I haven't even went through it yet, Steve. I, it's sitting in my closet and then I'm like, I got to go through all this stuff, but it's a lot of my old team jackets oh, and awesome. the nation's jackets and, you know, shirts and jerseys and all kinds of stuff in there, you know. So yeah. I, I have – and I have a lot of my old helmets. I always try to keep – you know, I always like keeping helmets and yeah. stuff like that. And then a lot of the – you know, a lot of the old magazine stuff, you know, a lot of my stuff that's framed and all that. Someday yeah. I hope I have, your, like, a little race room and your memory, and, Your memory is so good for, like, the stuff you wore and the stuff you liked and the, the way you looked on the bike. Like, you love that kind of stuff. Most guys don't at your level don't care all that much, right? It's like, ah, whatever. But for, for, for being an elite rider like you are, you always cared about that stuff. And, and, and I think I always think that's cool because us dorky fans were into that too. You know what I mean? You, you, you told me about cutting well, stickers and, and this look and, you know, I always thought that was cool. Yeah, well, I mean, I grew up as a fan, and and then to finally, you know, and I'm I'm still a fan of motocross, and to be, to be able to get to where I was, and and I knew the, you know, it's cool when you know like they're videoing or they're taking pictures, you know, there's going to be stuff out there, and you just you want to look cool, and yeah, that was always kind of one of my things is I wanted all my stuff to look trick, and you know, the stickers, it kind of. You know, I don't know. I just like I said I yeah. grew up grew up watching all that stuff, and I I always had the trick lightning bolts on my bike when I was a you know riding amateur Yamaha, and I had the Yamaha letters all cut out on the fender and all that stuff. So when I went factory, I kind of lost the ability to like dress up the bike because somebody else was taking care of the bike and all that stuff. And then so I just kind of focused on my yeah. gear and my helmet and making sure all that kind of stuff was cool. Uh, your be your best look, you've always thought the dogger, the, the Dalmatian pants, huh? That was your favorite look? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, some of that red, white, and blue Honda stuff, I think, is probably, you know, like I said, once again, back to 85. I mean, that red, white, and blue Honda stuff was badass. And, you know, I could wear maybe a red pants with a blue jersey with, you know, white boots. And you could just do all this different stuff because, you know, it was red, white, and blue. And, you know, and that's kind of when I came out with the putting the HRC on the pants yeah. and on the side and all this different stuff. So, you know, it just um, – I mean, I liked all of my looks, to be honest with you. I mean, I did dig the Dalmatian stuff was kind of cool with the, being the dogger and all that. And, you know, I don't know about the bone stuff. That was kind of JT's uh, deal. But 
No, the bone stuff is rad. You got you to gotta accept yeah. that. You got to embrace that more, dog. Are you actually sent <laughs> one of the coolest things I have in my house, in my studio, yeah. is your 87 Bones jersey, number nine on the back. I love it. It's the actual yeah. jersey. It's well, fantastic. That might be the original, like I said, when I got that, when I sent that to you, I go, I think this is, there's a picture of me and Johnson and Tishner. Yep. I think it was Tampa, like 87. And that was the first race that I brought it to. And it was like so wild that everybody was like, <laughs> you can see Rick's next to me. And he's like yawning like, oh, God, Lachine, you know, this and that. You know, he used to just drive him nuts, man. And I'm like, and you could, it's a funny picture. Yeah, yeah. So what is this guy doing now? What is he What is he doing with this yeah. stuff, right? There's a good story about that race. I think it might have been the next year at that race. I told a few people this, but there was a one of the trophy girls was uh, Brutus B. Beefcakes, the wrestler's wife, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and she was smoking hot that night. Everybody was drooling on her and stuff, and and I think I got second, and Wardy won. I got second. RJ got third, and when we got to the podium and we were getting ready to spray the champagne, and she was there, and I like I looked at her as I popped the lid, and she like looked at me back, and I like went after her, and she started running. And my my manager, uh, Roy Turner, time had a video of this whole thing. I used to have it, and I can't <laughs> find it anywhere. But she she took off running, and, like, she went down the thing, and then she there was banners in the middle of the football field, and she turned the corner and just started running, like, down the freaking football field. And I'm, I'm chasing her with this bottle of champagne, and I'm like, I got about 20 yards down the thing, and I looked at her ass, and it was just, like, perfect ass and these white, uh, whatever those yeah. shorts were, those dolphin shorts. Right. White set, and I just stuck my. I just tackled her in the grass, and the whole place went nuts. They loved it. Was it was pretty cool. They loved then it. Because you could see her later, and she's looking at her elbows like, What the hell happened to me? Right. I can't believe that guy just chased me and tackled me. <laughs> That's I'm what I'm thinking. I better get out of here before Brutus Beefcake shows yeah, up. Yeah, dude. Well, that, that, you know, you see those photos of Hannah with a chick sitting on his face on the podium, or Stanton's, oh, yeah. Stanton's making out with him. You're just like, That's what we're missing nowadays. It's 20, 2019. We're missing that. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> shit, back in the day, I mean, you win the race, you get, you know, Miss Coors, you know, as your new girlfriend or whatever. Yeah, yeah. You know, when I was young, I was like 16, and when I won Unadilla, I'm looking at this chick, and she's like 25 and hot, and I'm like, dude, I get to tongue this chick, man, that's pretty rad. <laughs> that's awesome, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Those days are long gone now, man. Oh, God. Um, yeah. Well, hey, man, uh, thanks for doing this. Uh, you know, you've given me a ton of time over the years personally and, and, and professionally uh, with these podcasts and everything else. And uh, I'm glad you did it again, man. It's absolutely uh, a, a pleasure to do this. Congratulations on the AMA Hall of Fame. We did it. I tell you what, my listeners and my readers are probably going to be so happy that I don't have to go on these fucking rants every year uh, on social media and everything. I mean, you know, it's just ridiculous you weren't in. But we did it. We got you in. Yeah, so. we did. I did. We did. And, uh, hey, anytime, man, I appreciate it. I love uh, chatting with you. And, you know, I, I dig the Pulp Show and all your listeners and how loyal everybody is. And, and like I said, I really appreciate all the work that yourself and Brock and Davey and everybody did to, to help push this thing through and, and get me in and, um, look forward to to getting 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 in the hall. Awesome fly racing racer X podcast presented by Maxis and Alpine Stars with Ron Lachine. Thanks, Ronnie, and congratulations. All right, man. Have a good day. Thanks for listening to the Fly Racing Steve Mathis Show. 
Don't forget to check out some of our past shows, including motocross legends such as The Bad Boy, Rick Johnson. I looked down and my hand was junk. I mean, yeah. I was sitting over to the side. The tendons were jerking in weird places. And my biggest disappointment with Danny Storbeck is that he never said sorry. Because Danny and I were friends, and we've never talked since. Brian Lunis. Before the 500 event, Dave and I fly to Germany, go down to Stuttgart. There's this little shop out the back of the mall factory. We get our cylinders, take them back, and, you know, off we go. And, you know, we ran Nicosil Cylinders as a factory part for a handful of years before anybody ever saw it in production. And, and Magoo was all, you know how he did the big pancake thing? Right, and, right. and he's got the thing, he's completely laying on the gas tank trying to miss his tree. I mean, he would have gone even harder, jumped farther if that tree hadn't have been, you know, yeah. if, if it hadn't been there. The Hurricane Bob Hanna. I love the guy. I don't dislike. I think he's the greatest competitor this sport ever had. That absolutely 100% in my mind. I firmly believe that statement I said about these modern-day guys in Switzerland or Holland or Belgium on 45 minutes on the same bike. You're not beating Roger. Are you crazy? They're not doing it. If they think they're so much better nowadays than they were in those days, they're fools. They're different bikes, different times. The Beast from the East, Damon Bradshaw. It got to the point where I didn't want to leave home. And once I got to the race, I wasn't into it. If I wasn't going to give 100%, I'm not going to take their money. The working class hero, Doug Henry. It was definitely an emotional moment for me, just thinking to myself, that's it, you know, and it's, it's amazing the stuff that goes through your head in a short amount of time of the things that, you know, that I was going to miss. The daughter, Ron Machine. Until you really open your ears and you want to listen to what they're saying, it's like beating a dead horse. I mean, and I know from personal experience, did anybody ever sit me down? Of course they did. Everybody did. Pro Circuits, Mitch Payton. There's two ways to make the money. One is you can sign for money, or two, you can earn the money. I'm a high believer in earning the money. I think they ride better when they earn the money. Seven-time Jeremy McGrath. I was so mad, like so disappointed and so frustrated that I pulled pitch and I left. Every point counts. I could kick myself to this day for not just riding around in tents. It's been no problem. My, my ego got in the way, you know? The O Show, Johnny Omar. Stuff that you could, you'd sit there if you didn't even want to ride it. You just wanted to just look at it all day. I mean, I got a chance to test all that. I like that era I was in. I really do. Search Pulp MX in the iTunes store to enjoy these and over 800 great motocross podcasts. As the days and the months and the years go.